Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Good afternoon, listeners. This is the DOGS program, the Australian Council for the Defence of Government Schools. And we're here, even though it's New Year and most people are on holidays, we are here because our public schools have got to be defended and promoted every week of the year. And often at holiday time, it is the most important time to keep your eyes and your ears open because in times gone by, the dogs learned uh, the hard way perhaps that when the politicians want to actually do something, they do it at holiday time, hoping that it just passes through the ether and people don't wake up. Well, the dogs have always been awake and uh, it's happened again. Uh, the news has come through that the coalition are not going to uh, fund the last two years of the Gonski program. In fact, they have abandoned the Gonski program. But this is no surprise, of course. And uh, the news came through from New South Wales with the Baird government that uh, reacted, apparently. The New South Wales schools will remain under-resourced without full Gonski funding, the government warns, and that came through on December the 29th. And then uh, the ABC got on to the news and uh, they had this interview with Mr Turnbull. Last Prime Minister, question. just on the Gonski um, agreement, is it correct that your government's walking away from the final two years of it? No, the, the, the bottom line is that the funding... Uh, after 2018 is still a matter for discussion between the federal government and the states. I mean, I, I, this is not a time for, a, you, know, a, 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 you know, a political stoush about this, but uh, let me just say we are absolutely committed to ensuring that all Australian kids get a great education, whatever school they go to. Uh, the, there, there is a lot... Funding is important, but there's a lot more to it. I think, as we all know, the, the key element is teacher quality, uh, and we're very focused on that. Simon Birmingham, the education minister, is in uh, discussion with his, his colleagues in the states, and we are certainly committed to ensuring that, working together with the states, our common challenge uh, has the outcome that all Australian kids get access to a high-quality education. So Mr Turnbull, as it turns out, as the the state school uh, lobbyists now realise, is just a smoother version of a Mr Abbott. But um, the dogs uh, 
are not concerned. Uh, after all, we have never really promoted Gonski. It's uh, a voucher system. It's a needs policy. And there's nothing surprising to the dogs in what has happened. So we've put up a press release, 634, uh, and this is it. The Gonski needs policy has been turned upside down, but dogs have been here before. For the dogs, the abandonment of even a Gonski voucher system needs policy by the Turnbull Birmingham government is no surprise. The sectarian sector have never given up a penny to the less advantaged. Their objectives are, and always have been, and always will be, power, money, and children of the wealthy in that order. And religious educators and their wealthy supporters pay minimal tax, so the ordinary taxpayers are paying for their privileges anyway. The only way to contain the greed of the sectarians is to give state aid to state schools only. But this generation of public school supporters, and um, dogs are pretty old in the tooth, we're, we're about three generations of us, but this newest generation of public school supporters are actually waking up. The Save Our Schools president, Trevor Cobald, was right into the newspapers by the 30th of December, and he has worked out through an analysis of the My School statistics that resource-rich schools receive more than $2 billion in Commonwealth Government funding a year, which would be equivalent to nearly one-third of the final two years of the Gonski funding deal. So um, he's linked together what the really wealthy schools are getting with what could be done for the Gonski deal. Uh, he makes the mistake, perhaps, that Gonski and all of the wealthy uh, people who are talking about education in Australia really care about disadvantaged children. An analysis of the latest figures on the MySchool website has shown that 1,115 private schools in Australia are receiving more income per student than the average state school through school fees, parent donations, government funding. The private school interest can and do not, fortunately, no longer cry poor. The poor parish school myth seems to have finally died a long, outdated death. But um, instead of that, they're trying to point the finger at those who send their children to state schools in salubrious suburbs. Uh, they are claiming that wealthy people, how dare they, mm -hmm. send their children to public schools. The coalition appears confident that sectarian interests and market ideologies are more politically important to their survival than public school supporters. So, ho-hum, it looks as if the 2016 election's going to be a public education election. And for readers of our uh, press release 634, there are the references uh, to The Age and the Fairfax Media um, articles. There's also been some coverage in The Guardian, but forget about uh, the Murdoch Press. Trevor Cobald and the public school interests should by now have realised that there never was and there never will be a workable needs policy. 
The only answer to inequities in education in Australia is to stop funding those who actually promote inequality, namely private religious systems of education. Uh, The Save Our Schools people and the the teacher unions and the parents' organisations would do better to take on the sectarian interests head-on and take a no-state-aid position like the DOCS. The iniquitous needs policy. Let's do a bit of history here because I'm talking about the latest generation. Uh, I've got a long memory and so have a lot of dogs people who will be listening to this program. The iniquitous needs policy was introduced by the Labor Party for the 1972 election. Why? To gain the Catholic vote and as a SOP to the humanitarian state school interests who were concerned, quite rightly, about the poor Catholic children in parish schools which had been deprived of funding by the church itself. Uh, The church was quite happy for a lot of money to go into places like Riverview and St Kevin's, but the poor parish schools were in trouble. But they were also concerned at the same time about derelict state schools and there were plenty of those and they're still around and the wealthy Protestant schools that had to be bought off. But make no mistake, at every stage in Australian history, the best system has always been the public system because the private schools are parasitic on the public system. And it has always been and always will be the public system that gives the best education. No worries. Now, the Carmel Committee recommendations, like the Gonski program, were never implemented. The wealthy had to be paid off before any crumbs came through to the poor, especially those in public schools. In 1973, it was an absolute hoot to see the wealthy Protestant and Catholic schools want to be recategorised from A schools with good resources down to B and C schools so that they would get their state aid. So before the Schools Commission, however, you could identify the exact amounts of state aid received by church schools. And we have at least returned to this situation with the My School website. We're now returning a wee bit to this position so that Trevor Cobold can tell us what is going on. And I think we have to thank Julia Gillard for this. So Trevor Cobold can crunch a few numbers again. And that's what Ray Nielsen used to do back in the 60s and 70s. After 1978, with sectarian domination of the Commission itself and then the Federal Education Department, this always became more difficult. Hundreds of millions were paid directly to the Catholic education bureaucracies and they diverted the money according to their own priorities. They set up new schools and secondary education, um, uh, uh, secondary schools, and they kept a few showpiece poor parish schools. Now, the Catholic Education Office are diverting money into TAFE and university education. And dogs in the old days identified some of their school schemes. We call them the bottom of the schoolyard schemes. Uh, and they, we tried to expose them in a number of paid advertisements in the Age and other newspapers. 
because accountability then as now was minimal and the inequities in state aid funding were there from the beginning. Uh, the dogs in those days staged protests outside the schools with the pools, particularly in New South Wales. And in Victoria, Ray Nielsen from the dogs exposed the rotting of the system by a sectarian sector in numerous paid advertisements. And dogs members had to pay for these advertisements because the sectarian interest had influence with the editor of the age. In those, name, in those days, his name was Mr Perkins. Now, in our press release, you have all of the uh, a list of these advertisements and their dates and where they uh, where they occurred. So there is absolutely nothing new about this situation. For people in Australia, people of goodwill, who are concerned about children, who are being given a substandard education in private schools, there is nothing new. There has never been a needs policy and there never will be because the wealthy have got to be paid off. So we repeat ourselves. For the dogs, the abandonment of even a Gonski voucher system needs policy by the Turnbull Birmingham government is absolutely no surprise. We've been here many times before. The only way to contain their greed is to give state aid to state schools only. Now, there's been quite a bit of reaction in the press uh, to the articles in the Fairfax media, particularly that one, that one which uh, was um, written by Trevor Cobalt. And uh, as well as that, there is the New South... Mr Baird being very, very concerned because the New South Wales Education Department are very concerned indeed. And the Andrews government, and I think here that the um, Acting Minister for Education, Jenny McCarkos, should be congratulated. She got into the press very quickly saying that they're walking away from the Gonski uh, last two years means that it would pay for 8,000 Victorian teachers or 10,000 allied health staff working to support our most disadvantaged students. And she said that it was particularly disappointing that voters were learning of this federal funding cut in the post-Christmas lull. So you see the advantage of the new media. I had a bit of fun with some comments and a gentleman called Chris Curtis informed me that um, the uh, Finnish people, uh, the Finnish government actually gives uh, fairly good funding to private schools. What he did not add in his response to my comments was that the Finnish government uh, doesn't have schools which... uh, charge fees. They're not allowed. Um, it's, it's uh, Yes. Uh, so uh, I'm always amused at how the private schools react to the dog's position. They scream about how they pay taxes. But believe you me, uh, listeners, as, uh, as a tax lawyer, actually, as somebody who worked in the tax department, I can assure you that the wealthy are well able to play the tax uh, 
tax dollar, they pay minimal tax and they wax just as moralistic about paying minimal tax as they do about how they should get the tax system working on their behalf for the education of their children. But um, one, one never ceases to wonder. And usually they will turn around to and tell you that at their private schools, their children receive a values education. Well, the dogs for a long time have had their own uh, views about the values that are being promoted in a lot of these private schools. And, um, of course, we even have a very famous uh, ex-Archbishop Cardinal who's um, got such tremendous values that he doesn't want to front up to a royal commission. Uh, he's, he hasn't got the ticker, which is sad, isn't it? But anyway, uh, for those of us who do have uh, a Christian belief, this, of course, is very sad. But... Um, Robert has got quite a bit to say about all of this. Uh, he can tell you what Richard Tease has to say and uh, he could also tell you how Jennifer Buckingham, when uh, they suddenly realised that uh, Mr Turnbull was not getting a good um, press and Mr Birmingham certainly wasn't and that uh, Trevor Cobald was up to the up to the mark very quickly, and uh, the New South Wales government and the Victorian government uh, won on this. Uh, Jennifer Buckingham, of course, had to have something to say on Mr. Turnbull's behalf and tell us that uh, it's much, much more complicated. We have to look at the quality of teachers, and this whole education thing is so much more more complicated that perhaps we better set up another inquiry, I suppose, uh, so that we can indulge in a little bit more teacher bashing. But I'll pass you over now to Robert. Thank you very much, Jean. You listen to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on their AM dial and indeed podcast. And as part of the streaming service here on 3CR, you can get hold of the Dogs Program at streaming, one word, at 3cr.org.au. Or, indeed, you can check us out at our website, www.adogs.info. I know that's a lot of information, but um, we'll come back to how you can find out more about the fight for public education after listening to a little bit of Handel, I think.
Welcome back to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial. That was a bit of George Frederick Handel um, and an overture to one of his very early operas. Um, nice coming music, I think. A bit naive. He was a bit young back when you when you, when you wrote those when you wrote those notes, but um, I like it. I hope you do too. But we're back to the main business of defending government schools because oh, in the last couple of days there's been a great deal of attacking. Um, the fact that the attack has happened between Christmas and New Year's is of no relevance. It's an attack nonetheless. As Jean quite rightly pointed out, Trevor Cobold from the Save Our Schools organisation in Canberra and an ex-Productivity Commission economist pointed out, in very simple terms, two things. Firstly, a large amount of money, $2 billion, is getting um, spent on private schools. And the other thing he pointed out was that in many cases, in fact 1,115 cases, the private school next door to the state school is actually getting more money from the government than um, the state school down the road. A ridiculous situation, a crazy situation. Um, You would say, if you were looking at another country, a corrupt situation. But, of course, there's no corruption in Australia. We have the rule of law, said Robert quite sarcastically. Um, But the bigger problem, of course, at the moment, is that our current Prime Minister and his Education Minister have decided to take money away from what is euphemistically, because I don't think it means anything anymore, taking money away from the Gonski um, platform of needs-based funding. Now, Trevor Cobalt, um, in a lot of what he has spoken about, thinks Gonski is potentially the answer. Here at the Dogs, we've never thought that Gonski was the answer. Uh, the answer is very simple. You only give money, taxpayers' money, to schools that are open, accountable, willing to educate all students, and, of course, do that in not a values-free environment, but a values-rich environment. A state school has the best values because they exclude none. Private schools, in Australia in particular, do not have these values. Every private school in Australia who has religious values at their core is exempt from the anti-discrimination laws of this country and can hire and fire wherever it feels like because it is exempt from the laws. I don't think that Australians should give money to organisations like that. If you want an exemption, you can go and do what you like. If you want to set up a football club and not um, have people join if they don't want to play football, go for your life. You can have exemptions. Um, But if you're in the business of educating the children of Australia... Um, you have to play by the rules. You have to educate all the children who wish to apply and not, indeed, charge them fees. So the money. The money's gone away, according to Mr Turnbull and Mr Birmingham, that is the Prime Minister and Education Minister up in Canberra. The money's gone away and people are jumping up and down about it. Uh, various people are jumping down, up and down in different directions. Um, and I'm going to talk about three different directions and then we'll perhaps examine why this money has gone away. What is the fundamental reason this money has gone away? Um, There's a couple of potential explanations, but let's first hear what Richard Teese has to say. Now, Richard Teese is an interesting fellow. Um, He's in many ways become much closer to the dog's position over the years than what he was 10, 15 years ago. He's been an education researcher and activist for some time. And he's written an article in The Age dated December 31st, so that's a couple of days ago now, where he says, the Turnbull government, he says, is accused of making short-sighted decisions after revealing it won't be funding the final two years of the Gonski education plan. Now, the current government has announced it will end the Gonski reforms of school funding. Uh, Mr Teese says, and I think he's right, that the current government was never comfortable with Gonski reforms or key elements within it. They weren't comfortable with the idea of a national resource standard. 
They weren't comfortable with needs-based funding and they weren't comfortable with a major role for the Commonwealth um, in state school funding. Of course, the Commonwealth is currently very much responsible for private school funding. Now, the coalition has used a mounting budget deficit, he says, to end the greatest effort since the Whitlam era to forge a consensus on how money gets to kids to educate them. But education reforms are not so easily buried, says Mr Teese. Education Minister Simon Birmingham, like his predecessor Christopher Pine, um, plans to come up with a simple model that will target need, be transparent and focus on outcomes. But isn't that what Gonski is supposed to do in the first place? And how will Birmingham's new model be in any way be different? Um, he says it will demand more accountability from the states as to how they spend federal money, apparently. More autonomy for principals, apparently, and a bigger emphasis on teacher quality. Oh, look, I'd love to know what this teacher quality business is. You notice there's no requirement of accountability for the uh, sectarian systems of education. There's only concern about accountability for the states. The states are accountable for public money. They have a bureaucracy, and it's their job to do it. Well... I just refer you, I mean, you're talking about accountability for the private education system. It's actually on the record, Jean, as part of the, the, the Royal Commission into Childhood Sexual Abuse. It's on the record that funding that was given by the government to the Catholic Church and the Catholic Education Office, placed in consolidated revenue, that money was used to pay compensation for victims of childhood sexual abuse. Taxpayers' money was used. This was found out in the Royal Commission 12 months ago. That went somehow under the radar. Talk about accountability. I didn't pay my taxes so that that a religious institution could pay compensation because they were the people that um, sexually abused a minor as as part of their education system. I think it's ridiculous. And these are the people um, who are responsible, actually, for the welfare, the education of a large number of Australian children. I just wonder about it. Now, Richard Tease points out, and I think quite rightly, that conservative governments in Australia are reluctant funders of public systems um, because and just there's this... Well, Christopher Pine said he was... What did he say he was psychologically welded to? Or no, no, that, that wasn't the word. DNA. DNA it's oh, and his, and his Private DNA, schools are in their DNA. DNA. I, know, I, I thought it had something to do with codependent relationships. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't recall. But you're right, Jean. Christopher Pine... The ex-education minister said the private schools were in the coalition's DNA, which I suppose means the public schools are not. Um, well, fortunately, our public schools are so good that they would not be capable of producing the kind of <laughs> leaders that we actually have well, in, true in Canberra at the moment. I mean, look what they did produce. Um, the sectarian system did all it could to get into positions of power, and when they finally did, what have they done? They produced a Mr Abbott. That was the best they could do for us. Well, Richard T says, and again, I think he's got a point, is that if that's the attitude of the current government, that they're interested in funding private schools, and they're not really interested in funding um, state schools, that this unbalanced role has actually done the most to create division in Australian schooling. And it is the division in schooling between the rich and the poor, between the public schools and the private schools, between the Catholic and the non-Catholic, and which have been made, um, which have made reforms which actually have wide concern to a large number of Australians. Now, it's, I'll, I'll be returning to Richard Teese, but at this point I think it's worth pointing out that um, 
As part of a private polling company's interest in the education sphere, um, there was a poll done of 700 people in Malcolm Turnbull's electorate, which is in a very affluent part of Sydney. Actually, Jean, you were there a little while ago. Dover Heights, yeah. Yeah, extraordinary part of Sydney. Mm. 700 people, and they were asked the question, um, should the government um, take more responsibility and give more money to disadvantaged state schools? And the answer in Turnbull's own electorate was that 80% of people said yes. Hmm. Yes, no, you should. Because there is, I mean, Australians are really quite civilised people. They can see the benefit in educating the largest number of people to the highest possible standard. Yes, yes, it is true that many people have a deep and abiding and financial concern in the education of their children. And in some cases, upon close examination, they're quite happy to say, oh, I want my child to to succeed, even if that's at the expense of someone else's child. Because that's indeed the system we have here in Australia, where it's divided between the haves and the have-nots and the rich and the poor. But many Australians are actually quite civilised and can take a step back from that perspective and say, actually, yes, I want my, my child to have a good education, but actually I want all the children... I want all the children to have as good an education as they can because that will actually be of benefit to me and it will almost certainly be of benefit to my child as well. Mm. Many Australians take this view. When when asked the question, um, do you think that disadvantaged students should have greater opportunities in education in Australia, even in Malcolm Turnbull's electorate, probably the safest Liberal seat in the country, 80% of them said, yeah, no, actually that's that's a good idea. Mm. Now... There are actually state schools in that electorate, and they're quite good ones. Well, yes, of course. They were underfunded. Yes, Some of course. them were sold off. That's true. Indeed, indeed, it's true. But to return to Richard Teese in his article in The Age on the 30th of December, he says, The protracted public consultation, including thousands of submissions, this is Gonski, showed a lively and abiding interest in setting matters to right. As Education Minister a few years ago, Julia Gillard sought more accountability from the states on how they spend federal money, sought also more autonomy for principals, and with a bigger emphasis on teacher quality. This is what Julia Gillard did all those years ago. So, why do Australians want a just and durable reform of public school funding? Why do they now assume, as they could not before Whitlam, that the Commonwealth Government will play a key role in supporting government schooling? Now, almost all Australians today depend on their children making successful use of schools. The economic stakes for kids are high. Most young people now complete school. The majority aim at university or TAFE or undertake an apprenticeship, and unless students do well at school, these paths are often closed to them. Now, historically, Australians have substituted success at school and small families for once large families and only limited use of schools. This long-term strategy hinges on equitable and high-quality schooling. He's talking big picture here. Smaller families and higher value of schools as part of a society and a culture that's growing into the 21st century. He goes on to say, The socially most advantaged families want a competitive edge and embrace the private school system and the least advantaged face significant challenges and depend almost wholly on how well government schools work. In fact, they depend on how well their particular government school works. I think that some people are starting to work out that um, the state schools in any way are better than that they're being sold a pup when they uh, 
put out all of this money into private schools. Mm. It's, uh, they've been had by the advertising, which uh, is, is pretty full on with our money, of course. Well, it is, of course. I mean, it's often said, I don't know who said it, and maybe a listener can, can contact us and let us know, but I think um, someone said, the standard you're willing to accept is the standard you're willing to walk past. And over and over again in discussions I have about this issue with people who, you know, have either been to private schools or send their children to private schools, I say, oh, I couldn't possibly send my child to the local state school because that school is no good. And sometimes I say, well, the standard that you're willing to accept is the standard you're willing to walk past. And if you're willing to walk past this school, which you say is no good, there's two things happen. Firstly, it's going to stay that way because you're buying out of the system. And secondly, and, and, and just in, in, in very simple terms, you're very happy um, to take all the children who do go to those schools and take all the parents who send their children to those schools and put them in the basket of the stupid because only stupid people will send their children to a state school that wasn't any good. But I think you're right, Jean. The stupidity is in the people who believe believe the hype. Yeah, because people who wanted a competitive advantage are probably interested in a zero-sum game because an advantage for my child is a disadvantage for someone else's. And quite frankly, if they have the wherewithal to pay for it, that's actually what they're paying for. Now, I'm mentioning these uncomfortable truths because this, I think, in the end is where we have to end up as a conclusion as to why Simon Birmingham has made the decision that he did and why Malcolm Turnbull has made the decision that he's made, which is to take money away from what's left of Gonski for what that's worth. Why has he done this? Why... Because it's on, on the face of it, it's actually just a bit stupid. I think it's actually a bit stupid to take money away from education in Australia in the 21st century. If you have a priority in the way you use your taxpayers' funds, education would have to be, along with healthcare, one of your top priorities. I and think, actually, that they've miscalculated uh, politically. I think that it's going to be a very interesting 2016 election and uh, that Mr Turnbull and Mr Birmingham in one fell swoop have put Mr Shorten in the, um, in the spotlight. Well, interestingly enough, um, Shalila Medhora at The Guardian also had something to say about this. And this is a slightly different perspective that, that she has. Um, she says the federal government has dashed the hopes that Malcolm Turnbull will reverse the objections of his predecessor, Tony Abbott, to the Gonski School funding model, confirming that funding for the program is not guaranteed beyond 2017. Now, as Jean quite rightly pointed, the state governments and education unions have actually um, were at some point being buoyed by comments that Turnbull had made shortly after taking office as the Prime Minister, after deposing Abbott in a coup, that indicating that perhaps Gonski might survive. But now this is all gone. Now this is all gone. He's not interested in giving any more money to state schools or indeed the states. Over 60% of parents still send their children to, to state schools in Australia. That's a very big section of the electorate. Anyway, Mike Baird said, and I quote, he says, he understands there's budget pressures down there in Canberra, but he strongly believes that it's too early to make a decision in relation to the funding after 2017. He said, yes, the funds might have to be found, but if we prove over the next two years or three years that those funds are delivered better educational outcomes for our kids, particularly some of our most disadvantaged kids, what sort of government would not want to participate in that? So Baird's playing a sort of marketing positivist spin on the whole thing. Give us some time, we'll make it work, and then you can't take the money away. 
Now, the Acting Australian Capital Territory Education Minister, Mick uh, Gentleman, said the government must be clear on how it was going to fund schools if it ditched the Gonski model, which allocates money to schools based on the individual needs of students. He said they had to move quickly to end the current uncertainty and begin negotiations with the states and territories and non-government sectors. They might actually put the requirement on it that the public schools be privatised, which is what they've done with uh, with electricity and roads and a lot of other things. So oh, they might do with, with the education system what they did in the Northern Territory and have themselves an intervention. <laughs> dear, oh dear. Um, look, I actually have a theory about why this stupidity is taking place in Australia at the moment, and it's not a very pleasant theory, but I think it's something that we have a combination of ideology, both free market ideology and various other conservative ideologies coming together to create a perfect storm of idiocy when it comes to education funding in Australia. And I'll reveal my theories after having to listen. Let's have some more handle. Let's let's have some more handle. Here's an adagio. Very rational, very rational composer. Welcome back to the Dogs Program. That was Handel's Adagio from one of his early operas. I quite like it. Hope you do too. You're listening to the Dogs Program, defending government schools on 3CR, 855 on the AM dial, and indeed on digital radio, if you're not out there listening to us in digital land. Well, you might even be listening to us as we stream out onto the www's at streaming at 3cr.org.au. And if what we're saying makes you think, hang on, is that right? I'm better check that one out. Please do. Check us out at our website, www.adogs.info. Well, as Jean has pointed out, and I've sort of in, engaged in some depth, um, the federal government has pulled a swifty just after Christmas, and they're going to take away over $2 billion from the education funding of this nation in Australia from 2018 onwards. The state governments are up in arms, and the unions are up in arms. Everyone thinks it's stupid. 
why do they do it? Why are they doing it? Well, the reason they're saying is that, well, there's no, there's, there's no money. We, we have a budget emergency. A budget emergency. So we've got to give all this money to private schools instead. No, I'm, I'm being sarcastic. We have a no. revenue problem. have a revenue problem, indeed. In fact, because the wealthy don't pay their taxes. <laughs> Well, according to Scott Morrison, no, it's not a revenue problem, it's a spending problem. But we'll we'll get into that perhaps other element of the stupidity involved. (laughs) I just want to address the very fundamental issue about when you get a marketplace involved in the education, educating the students of the nation. Why? Why on this planet in the 21st century is there a little country down on the southern bit, actually not little, it's quite large, Australia, Playing around with the deck chairs and the Titanic as our education system falls further and further behind in international rankings. Do you know, it's got nothing to do with teacher quality. It's got really, in, in essence, has very little to do with class sizes. It has to do with an overwhelming force of ideology, which gets to a very simple point. At the moment in Australia, about well, between 35 and 40% of the children of this nation are educated in private schools. That's what it's got to. It didn't used to be that way, but that's what it's got to. Now, why are parents paying this money to a private school? Why are they doing it? Well, there's a number of reasons. One of them, it's not about values, Jean. It's about value. It's about value in the marketplace. If I'm going to spend the money to send my child to a private school, I expect a return on my investment. They're bonkers. They expect a return on their investment. And if the Gonski funding went ahead, and if the funding became needs-based, and if there was a movement, a shift in educational demographics such that the disadvantaged in Australia got better educational outcomes and were more productive, productive members of society, and we as a nation moved back up the international rankings because we were spending money on all of the children all of the time, sending them to schools where all children are available, if we actually succeeded in improving Australia's educational outcomes from the ground up, by improving the state school system, what happens to the value proposition that was put to those parents who sent their child to the private school? Would that, at a very fundamental level, would by improving the state school system and having better state schools, would that threaten, aggressively threaten, the investment that was made by that parent who sent their child to that private school? And the answer is yes. Absolutely, yes. In fact, for the 40% of people who send their children to private schools, which are very well funded by the government, the idea of an improved and successful state school system is not to their advantage. And that's a horrible thing to say, but it's not to their advantage. And the people who run Independent Schools Australia and the people who run the Catholic Education Office here in Australia, in all the states and federally, they know this. If the state school system starts to succeed, the money they're taking from their consumers, not their students, not their parents, but their consumers, their value proposition is destroyed. Their business model goes down the tube. If you actually have a successful state school system, it is a threat, a direct threat to the market viability of the private school system, both individually and collectively. It's already a direct threat. In New South Wales in particular, you'll find that the uh, schools which uh, 
according to the NAPLAN tests and other tests, which are doing much, much better than any of the others, are in fact state schools, if you start looking at the statistics. And if the you public st- schools are far superior, uh, particularly if they are selective schools, unfortunately, than the private schools. Oh, I think around Melbourne, I think parents who have any interest in their child's education know exactly which state schools they'd like to send their children to because they get a values education and a quality education. And there's probably, and I can tell you right now, about 20 schools around Victoria, state schools, that are absolutely 100% top-notch. Talk about teacher quality? No. They've got principals that are working hard. They've got parents that are working hard. In fact, let's double that to 40 state schools. Let's double that to 80 state schools. In fact, let's just say every state school is, in fact, working to the best of their ability. You want to talk about value for money? You want to talk about making a dollar go further? Send your child to a state school because that's where that happens. And I can tell you firsthand anecdotally, and I can also tell you statistically, Trevor Cobalt would agree. Now, what I'm talking about here is why Simon Birmingham and Malcolm Turnbull took away $2 billion from the state school system Australia. Because if the funding was anything like needs-based, it would have gone to state schools. Now, currently in Australia, if you spend a dollar on a kid in a state school, you have to spend a dollar on a kid in private school. That's, that's actually the waste. That's the waste of money. That was always the waste of money, and now it's got much worse, certainly since 2001 when... How I bought in his funding model. It's got worse since then as well. But it's, but it's just a really simple thing. Why would Birmingham do this? Why would Turnbull do this? And the answer is to keep defunding the state school system, to keep trashing the, 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 the state school system. If they can. To keep excluding the state school system from the DNA of the ruling classes. So-called ruling classes. What you're actually getting towards, Robert, is that although this country was settled by a man of the Enlightenment, namely Philip and others, leaving aside what we did to the Aborigines, in this country we came up with something different. We had what was called Socialism Without Doctrines and in 1900 we were streets socially ahead of England. Now we seem to be determined to go back into the 18th century and a quite shocking class system where would-be aristocrats um, run the place. Um, And I find it very concerning indeed. That was not the country that I worked for, for my children and my grandchildren. It was not the country that I inherited And I'm afraid that the Abbots and the people who are at the moment in charge of our politics in Canberra are taking us backwards as far as they can go socially. Economically, they are just ridiculous. I I think that the whole market ideology is long outworn and it's failed. The denominational system of education, the private system of education does not, cannot and will not educate all the nation's children. The real question is, are we going to educate the nation's children or aren't we? That is actually the real question. We should return with more with Dr Program just to finish it off because there's a few more things, a few more news from around the world actually we'd like to share with you after these messages. Express Media is proud to present issue 102 of VoiceWorks, Defiance, featuring more of the best fiction, non-fiction, poetry and visual art from young Australians. 
This issue of VoiceWorks takes you from phantasms to canine astronauts, exploring sheep dips and shipwrecks, and is available from all good bookstores and online. If you're a writer or an artist under 25, send us your work. Check out our website, voiceworksmag.com.au. VoiceWorks is a 3CR supporter. All right, that's... I think I'm going to go for a swim. Shotgun his car. I'll have his bike. I'll take the Xbox. Hey, what? Mate, you've had a few, all right? If you go in now, chances are you're not coming out. I'll take your telly. Hey, mermaid, I'll have your fridge. I'll have what's in your fridge. Shotgun your budgie, smugglers. <laughs> this won't stop your mates from drinking and swimming, but you can. Don't let your mates drink and drown. Authorised by the Victorian Government, One Treasury Place, Melbourne. The New International Bookshop, Melbourne's famous left-wing bookshop. We stock the widest range of left-wing literature and merchandise, as well as heaps of cheap quality second-hand books. Visit Nibs at Trades Hall, 54 Victoria Street, Carlton, or online at www.newinternationalbookshop.org.au. The New International Bookshop is a 3CR supporter. Now, Dale has got something that she'd like to read you, uh, which is a, a very positive story about what some some idealists, I suppose, or some good teachers do with small children mm-hmm. in a big city in America. Great. Thanks, Jean. This is an article from Diane Ravitch's blog on uh, something that's going on in Seattle at the moment. In Seattle, three-year-old Desi... Sorrel Green's favourite thing about his preschool is running up hills. His classmate, Stalen Carter, five, likes to be quiet and listen to birds, cows, owls and chickadees, as she puts it. And for Joshua Doctorow, four, the best part of preschool just may be the hat he loves to wear to class, black and fuzzy with flaps that come down over his ears. All three children are students at Fiddleheads Forest School here, where they spend four hours a day, rain or shine, in adjacent Cedar Grove classrooms, nestled amongst the towering trees of the University of Washington Botanic Gardens. The program, in its third year, is less than seven miles from Microsoft, which means some parents sit in front of their computers all day inventing the digital future while Fiddlehead's children make letters out of sticks or cut rocks or cut rocks around in wheelbarrows. Founded in 2012 by Kit Harrigan, a certified preschool teacher, and Sarah Heller, a naturalist and science educator, Fiddleheads is part of a larger national trend that goes beyond Waldorf education which has long emphasised outdoor play, even in inclement weather. There's a Chippewa Nature Centre in Midland, Michigan, founded in 2007, where children wear hats and mittens during daily outdoor sessions in the frigid winter months. At All Friends Friends Nature School in San Diego, which became a a nature preschool in 2006, children often spend mornings making sandcastles at the beach, and at Drumlin Farm Community Preschool in Lincoln, Massachusetts, founded in 2008, children learn to feed farm animals, grow vegetables, and explore the farm's many acres of wildlife habitat. 
whether the school is emerging in reaction to concerns that early education has become increasingly academic or simply because parents think traipsing around in the woods sounds like more fun than sitting at a desk, they're increasingly popular. The Natural Science The Natural Start Alliance, founded in 2013 in response to demands from a growing number of preschool providers, now counts 92 schools that deliberately put nature at the heart of their programs and where children spend a significant portion of each day outside, according to Director Christy Merrick. That's up from 20 schools in 2008 when Patty Bailey, a professor at University of Maine at Farmington, counted them as part of her doctoral research. Well, there you are. But I can tell you that my grandson at his local state school gets all of that too. Ah. There's plenty of outside uh, work um, done at an ordinary state school in Victoria. It doesn't have to be walled up. No, 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 not at all. And... um, I think that you will find, if you do the history of public education in Australia, that all of the latest ideas have been tried in the public system long before they are made somehow uh, fashionable (laughs) in the private sector. I think the Montessori ideas are are quite obvious as well as Froebel. But, um, yes, uh, the very best is available already in our public schools in Victoria and uh, Australia. And uh, that's why we must keep it that way and make sure that our governments understand that the majority of Australian children must and should and are worth the very best education that we can give them. Indeed. You've been listening to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial. If you want to examine what we're talking about and pick holes in us or support us, either way, that's fine. You can contact us at www.adogs.info. That's www.adogs.info. That's another hour of supporting government schools, and we'll be back again next week and the week after until we don't need to. (laughs) It'd be nice not to have a dogs program because the nation of Australia wakes up and said, support your government schools, do it properly. (laughs) People want to buy their way out, go for their lives, but I consider that to be (laughs) un-Australian. Only joking. Until next week, bye for now.
smiling with his eyes Says Joe what they can never kill Went on to organize Went on to organize From San Diego up to Maine In every mine and mill Where workers strike and organize It's there you'll find your hill It's there you'll find your hill I dreamed I saw Joe Hill last night Alive as you and me Says I, but Joe You're ten years dead I never died, says he